Hello and welcome to Chasing Excellence, a show about living a life of better health and increased fulfillment. On Tuesdays, we drop full episodes where we answer your questions and dive deep on what it means to chase what truly matters. On Fridays, we do a quick set where we either dig through the show's archive for little bits of wisdom worth resurfacing, or we grab a snippet from another show we've been on that we wanted to share this week. We have the latter. We've got a clip from a conversation that Ben had with a YouTube channel called Young and Alive. Thank you to them. Thank you to Brian, who is the host, who you will hear. Check out the show notes. You can find a link to the full conversation. Let's get into the clip. So you mentioned focus itself. So yes, it's important to know what to focus on, but it all doesn't matter if, let's say, I prepare as much as I can for this podcast and then I get here and I'm thinking about other things. So you actually have to be focused while you're doing the activity as well. How do you almost train your athletes to be more focused or how is there anything that you do to train your focus in general or just any tips for staying focused while actually doing the things? Because it's one thing to know what to focus on, but it's one thing to actually focus when doing those things. So uh, the answer is not what a lot of people would say, especially more. It's like, do mind games, do, you know, play uh, Sudoku and you know, do these like apps and things like that that'll train your mind and use a use a heart math thing that mars your heart rate as you do these challenges. That's not my approach at all. My approach is just like we would for anybody practicing anything is recognize you need the practice. So that's what this if you want to get better at focus, you need to practice the discipline of focus. Now, what we're not talking about necessarily is your mind drifting off while you're bored as hell in chemistry class. That's not it. What we're talking about is you being distracted away from your goals. So if that comes, let's say distraction at the highest level, which is you are um, going to go back after this and edit this podcast and make me sound way better than I actually am and probably put a filter over me and make me really, really good looking. Okay, while you're doing that work, the fire alarm goes off. That fire, that audio signal is an incredibly loud distraction. Everybody understands that. That's the, that's the easy one to recognize. The challenge is recognizing all the subtle ones that aren't as obvious and aren't coming in through the five senses. Like the, that audio, like, got it. Or you're trying to do work and all of a sudden, the, the heat goes off and you live in at Boston and it's cold here. And next thing you know, it goes down to 38 degrees. Your hands get really, really, that's really cold. That's a massive distraction. Or you, um, you're doing your work and all of a sudden um, a, uh, a, a hornet lands on the keyboard. That's a distraction. You see something. Most of those distractions come in from the five senses. We can recognize those for what they are. The ones that we have to recognize that are, all the time that is the real work is the ones that are just from that sixth sense, which is your mind, which is your mind going. And what's happening is it's going to the past or to the future and leaving this moment. And this happens all the time with our athletes. In the middle of a workout, the judge calls no rep. That in and of itself is not a bad thing. What happens is they're doing a workout, they're in a competition, and the the judge, the umpire, the ref, makes a call that hurts them. And if they go assign extra meaning to that thing, I mean, they're jumping forward in time going, oh my God, this is so terrible. Now we're going to have to, we might lose because of, that's the distraction. 
instead of just staying here in the moment, what's next? Do the work that is next and not get distracted by anything that the mind's going to do. And it's going to do that. It's part of our survival mechanism built into our bio biology from our caveman times of trying to do everything it can to keep you alive, which is doesn't serve us in these in these times, whether you're trying to be a good dad, a good business person, a good spouse, a good father, good athlete. None of those things, sir. What we need to do is stay fully focused in the moment. There are times to think about the future, but it's not in a distracted sense. It's in a preparation sense. There's times to think about the past, but it's not in a regretful or um, a wishing it had gone the other way. It's in a learning situation. So when you are executing in the moment, you don't have to analyze it. Your body's so good at doing that on its own. What you need to do is actually eliminate those distractions and allow yourself to just try to focus on one thing, then that will fall into flow. What else do you do to prepare your athletes for high pressure situations besides training focus? Is there anything else to do maybe to control anxiety, um, maybe to just um, make sure that they're ready to go by the time that they're in a high pressure situation like a CrossFit championship? Yeah, it's, it's getting athletes to understand um, this kind of sequence of um, external stimulus creates a conscious or subconscious thought. That's what happens. Something comes in through your five senses, five senses, which creates a conscious or subconscious thought. That thought creates an emotion and that emotion creates a physiological cascade of hormonal responses in the body. So what happens is athletes get ready for, are getting ready for the championship event and they start to feel nervous and they feel that pit in their stomach and their palms sweating. Well, just understanding how that's playing out, you get to reframe that how you want to. And the way you frame it will either send you down into a sewer cycle, which is going to lead in the toilet and you're going to end up performing really poorly, or a success cycle where you can perform phenomenally. It's just a matter of the way you frame those feelings. Because if you don't frame them correctly, you get in that thinking, feeling loop where you're like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. And you feel your stomach do your thing. You go, yup, see, confirmation. I feel terrible. Oh, now I'm thinking worse. And now it's like, oh my God, now I'm going to freeze. It's sad. You just go, oh, there it is. That's my stomach doing that thing. That's the biological response to preparing for something meaningful. That's all this is. And what it's doing is actually getting me ready. It's putting me in the appropriate state with a right hormonal balance of all those cortisol and epinephrine and all these you know, dopamine and all these other things to get ready to peak performance. Nervousness and excitement are can be a nice hedge. It can be your decision of which those two things are. And we know nervousness will not allow you to perform at your peak where excitement does. If you're excited about the next play, you have a really good chance of performing well. If you are nervous about the next play, you have a very good chance of performing poorly. So it's a matter of the way we frame this situation and recognizing that this is going to happen whether you want it to or not. And just you storytelling to yourself is a really, really powerful thing. And that's one of the things we have our athletes do is recognize this kind of thought process in their head and just slowly, when you can, try to edge the story into you being more of a coach than a critic in your head. So yeah, that's another thing too, is being a critic in your own head. So um, that's another thing that gets in the way of people is when they, they have self-doubt or they say, maybe I don't belong on the stage. Maybe I don't belong here. 
uh, maybe I'm not good enough for this. How do how, other? How do you suggest that we almost quiet that inner critic? Um, and how do we get over that self doubt? Because I think it's important to say that like everyone experiences it. It's just the ones that are able to control it that are ones that are able to actually perform. So how do we control that self uh, that um, doubt? You just said it. Is that there's the recognition that that is a part of being a human being is really really powerful. You have it. I have it. We all have those feelings of self-doubt of um anxiousness of um that feeling like i don't fit into the crowd is a part of being human so being a human being involves three kind of major big things one is there is going to be struggle you're going to have struggle you're going to have pain you're going to have adversity you don't get it doesn't exist where there's a brick paved road and unicorns and all the rest. This is going to be a challenge and the challenges are going to be everywhere. You don't get to escape that. The next one is your own self-doubts about who you are, what you can be. That's another massive part. So there's this pain and struggle. It's It sounds horrible, but the recognition of that and the recognition that you're going to have your own insecurities, you're going to have regrets about the things you've done. You have fears about the future. Well, once you kind of put those things together and go, okay, normal existence, then what you can, what you need to be able to do then is do the work. So that doesn't excuse you from doing the work. And what most people do is they get frozen by that. Well, I don't know if I belong. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I'm ever going to amount to anything. I don't, uh, I don't belong in this in crowd. I don't, I'm not cool enough. I don't, I don't have it. And that paralyzes them. And what we have to recognize is yet those feelings that you have are just that. Their feelings are data points. They're not decisions. So you have these data points. Cool. Okay. Got it. Now that we have those, it doesn't need to dictate your behaviors. And as you said, it's the people that can go, yup, I'm nervous. I'm scared. I have insecurities but I'm going to show up and do the work anyway. That's what true courage is. It's also, what's funny is same definition of vulnerability, the same, one of the same, is the people that are vulnerable enough put themselves in those positions that they might fail. Also strong and courage enough to put them in positions that they might fail. Those are the people that can actually go and do the work. And through doing the work, those are reps and you get better, you get more experience. And all of a sudden, these smaller, I don't want to diminish them because they're not small, but things that maybe used to be a struggle before, you get more resilience to them. And then your resilience, your grit, your fortitude, your mental toughness starts to level up a little bit. And now some things that used to really derail you, you can handle a little bit better. And that's the challenge is you start with the small bite-sized things. You recognize them when you're getting distracted, when you're getting thrown off center, either by getting upset, um, what triggers you, feeling that pit in your stomach. Some people feel in their chest. Some people get in their head. When you feel that thing happen, recognize it for what it is. You've been thrown off center. If we want to move from A to B, if we do the work, we need to stay centered. That's how we move forward, not bouncing off the hallway the walls, but walking the middle of the line. And we will. Everyone's going to. You're going to get knocked off center. And it's how quickly we can pull ourselves back. I heard you once say that you uh, went to a Navy SEAL um, 
training or was it training or was it a um it was in Coronado. It was a so talk, right? So uh, yeah, I gave a talk to the SEALs. I met with them in um in Coronado, which is where they um all the, the people go through Hell Week and Buds and the obstacle course and um yeah, it's their big one thing about um being a Navy SEAL is you need to be mentally tough. What did you learn um from that experience working with the Navy SEALs about mental toughness in general? Yeah, it's uh well you the biggest my biggest takeaway was just what you alluded to was everyone talks about, you know, the physical dominance and capacities that these guys have, whether it's, you know, swimming six miles with a backpack on or, you know, rucking through the the, the mountains um, with a hundred pounds on their back. Um, and the people talk about like the, the mental toughness and that's what they associate it with. They associate it with the ability to withstand pain, to be able to go through hell week. No sleep, sandy, sore. You know, I've um, two of our coaches from here have since gone on and gone their trident, and um, hearing the stories that they go through, the physical aspect is, um, I mean, I can't help. It's like legendary. It's like le- It's insane what they go through. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to talk to one of them the moment that he finished Hell Week, and just looking at him in his face and how like swollen and sunken his eyes were. And, talking with he went through was incredible. But what doesn't get enough attention is this, what we were talking about earlier, is their level of focus and not being distracted. So after talking with them, I went to dinner with them and I asked them, what was the, what's the most challenging thing that you've gone through? What's one of the most challenging evolutions you've gone through? Thinking it would be, you know, one of these like carry a log on my head for six miles down the beach with no sleep and one of these really physical things. And the answer was kind of the opposite. It was this really mental thing, which was they would do a night scuba, a night swim with tanks in the San Diego Harbor. And they had to go from underwater the entire time from point A to point B, which was two miles away, find this buoy in the middle of the ocean. When they found it, take a right-hand turn and find another buoy um, a mile out. So... The level of focus it takes to with in the pitch dark to essentially stare at your watch, a GPS, to sh- say that you're on the right track. If you go off track, you're done. So you need hours of focus, not being distracted. And distractions come in so many different forms. It's they're freezing cold. And the biggest one is they're like, you know, you're doing these swims, you're going underneath the 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 aircraft carriers, the battleships that are docked in the harbor. And I know it and you, everyone else we're swimming with knows that the sharks hang out on the other side of the aircraft carriers so that the currents don't swim, sweep them away. And they're like, I'm going to swim underneath this thing. I'm going to swim right in the mouth of a, of, a, of a great white shark. And then other times they'll be um, halfway into this. And <laughs> the way they told it was uh, a huge animal, not knowing what it would, would come up and just knock you from the side. And you don't know what the heck that thing was. So the storytelling, this is the biggest thing that we need to, the storytelling that we do in our minds doesn't help us. 99% of our problems are actually made up. No Navy SEAL has ever swam into the mouth of a shark. No one has ever been eaten or taken away by a sea monster while swimming. Yet, this is the talk 
that we all do when we're in, and not even in these extreme situations, all the time. You get a text from your boss that says, hey, first thing Monday morning, we need to talk. Like, what goes through your mind? Like, all the storytelling, right? That's the distraction. That's what's pulling you away from a focused or flow state. We need to be able to pull ourselves back into the job at hand for the Navy SEALs. Look at my watch, swim in a straight line. For you, don't get distracted about Monday morning. Go and do the things that you need to do, preparing an effort for what you're ahead of right now. It's the biggest thing we need to do is not create extra drama in our lives by storytelling made up stuff. It doesn't help either. It doesn't help at all. You had to do harm to yourself. I mean, example for right now is earlier in this podcast, I was like looking over the equipment, being like, is this all working? I know it's working in my head. So I had to kind of reset our myself um, because I double checked everything I prepared. And so that's, but we go back to preparation. If you're prepared, that that takes a whole other level of anxiety and um, those distractions become less. One of the ways that they actually get themselves back to center, like you were just saying, so like you recognize you're distracted. You recognize you're not in the here and now. You're focusing on things outside that are a little bit outside of your control right now. If a camera goes down, it goes down. We'll figure it out. But what they've done, and this is where I started to um, get into this, is they do a, a massive amount of breath work. And before my visit out there, I kind of put breath work as like a, uh, a thing for the yogis, a thing for the monks, a thing for the, the depth divers and the kind of the, a different group of people. And coming back from that, it really opened up a, a whole new world for me in terms of like uh, additional practices and what we could do to get back to that. The really simple answer to that is when you get everyone knows this, when you get anxious, when you get afraid, when you think of these guys, you know, in a life or death situation where they need to get as calm as they can so they can pull the trigger and hit the target. If they're if they're anything less than um, calm, they're not going to perform to their best. So breath is bi-directional, meaning when you get anxious, your breath gets shallow and it goes up into your chest. And it if you start to, if you that enough, will lead it to an anxiety attack. Well, what's interesting is that nervousness, a, a anxious feeling, leads to that biological response. What's really cool is you can hack it the other way. By training your breath, you can create a calm, a calm emotional state. So just simply doing, and it doesn't matter what the practice is, and you know three deep diaphragmatic breaths and you're back close to baseline. It's amazing. And then you enter and mix that in with some meditation and being able to own your attention and you're playing with a whole different deck of cards than somebody that's just, you know, working out really hard and trying to make it become a, a Navy SEAL. Thank you so much for tuning into this quick set. As a reminder, on Tuesdays, we drop full episodes where we answer your questions about the five factors of health, as well as dive deep on what it means to live a life of excellence. Be sure to subscribe or follow wherever you are listening to this. Ben and I thank you. Until the next episode, keep chasing.